0: I'm Coach Corey Wayne, and I'm here with two friends of mine, two people I admire and respect in the gun industry. My friend John Dufresne, also known as the Mocha Bear, Mocha Bear Actual, (laughs) and Manuel Gomez from Palm Beach Tactical. Welcome, guys. Thank you. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk about all kinds of different things in the gun industry, from guns. We're gonna talk about laws. We're gonna talk about things about like suppressors, machine guns, and we're just gonna go through a whole list of questions. That because obviously this is a topic that is constantly in the news and people are always talking about it. So, with that said, if maybe start with John, just give uh, give everybody a little background on who you are, where you come from, your
1: expertise. Cool. Um, Well, glad to be here. Uh, First off, my my name is John Dufresne. Uh, I'm a former Army Ranger. I also uh, work in the security industry and have been for about seven years. Um, I am uh, the owner of Kinetic Consulting which is a training and consulting company. Uh, I go around the country teaching uh, civilian, law enforcement, federal and and local and then some military units as well. And um, really just I fell into it and love it, so continue to do it, and uh, and Corey's been a student for about almost a year now, I think. So it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I actually enjoy what I do. Yeah,
0: he's like, a, he's like a kid in the gun range. It's, you know, every time I get a new gun, I bring it to him, it's like his eyes light up as if Christmas Eve just happened all over again. So how about you, Manny? What's, what's your background, who you are? we all bow. Hey guys,
2: my name is Manuel Gomez. I'm the owner of Palm Beach Tactical. We are a concierge gun shop in Boca Raton, Florida, specializing in unique high-end firearms and accessories. This shop has been a dream of mine since I was a boy. When other kids were out playing ball, I was out shooting. It is truly my passion. And we are South Florida's premier purveyor of night vision and thermal equipment. Thank you.
0: And you're also the MPX King of South Florida, right?
2: Undisputed. Undisputed. MPX King of South Florida, (laughs) formerly the self proclaimed.
0: For people who don't know, what's an MPX?
2: MPX is a six hours, nine millimeter pistol caliber carbine, or PCC. So it kind of looks like an AR 15. It operates like an AR 15. It shoots nine millimeter, and they're small and portable. They are considered handguns, so a lot of fun. Yes, and I have one with a suppressor, which is really cool. And it's the Coach Corey Wayne special. It's a very special model that we did for Coach Corey.
0: Yeah, on my Instagram account, we actually did a couple of videos where we went through it, actually went to the gun range because he's got one. Obviously, he's a Class 3 manufacturer, so he manufactures machine guns, and I got to shoot his uh, MPX machine gun on the gun range, which was a lot of fun. It's super fun to shoot. <laughs> so, with that said, let's. Let's go through, I got a list of questions here we're just going to kind of go through and um, to facilitate discussion. So first one is, what pop culture movies, video games in your childhood inspired your love of guns?
1: Hmm. Uh, I guess uh, pop culture is a weird word to say, or <laughs> <laughs> weird phrase. Um, for me, it was it was... It started out as uh, I was raised by army soldiers and I was raised by marines, so it was easy easy to get to know and and love those things. Um, as a kid, I always had the fascination of it. So it wasn't something that happened at like ten years old. It was uh, I shot my first gun at four or five. It was a little twenty-two, little rifle. My grandpa let me shoot at like little cans, um, and uh, I it was a fascination. From there like I was I was hooked uh but something movie wise that I really enjoyed was like uh the movie Navy Seals uh Rambo was always a thing I used to run around with a little bandana I'm like crazy man running around and uh um it was just a it was entertainment but uh I think most of all it it kind of drew me to the military so both those types of movies and and a few others I'm sure that I'm missing uh, definitely drew me that way and then um yeah. It's pretty much what drove me that way. Cool. For my fascination. <laughs> By you, Manuel.
2: I have to say, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone movies. Classic action heroes. Real men, real tough guys, real badasses. That's it. I mean it, it doesn't get any better than them. Yeah, I watched a
0: lot of those those movies in the eighties as well growing up. So John,
1: what made you decide to become a soldier? Uh well, like I said, I was raised by a bunch of them uh, in different forms and fashions. Um, but mainly it was kind of like uh, the want to serve my country. Uh, so I've always been one, one to be uh, helpful. Like uh, I have six younger siblings, so try to be helpful to my parents or my mom specifically. Um, so always wanted to be helpful. And I thought, and I still think that it's, it's kind of uh, something most people should do, or at least try. Um, and then also I, I wanted to pay for college. So that was, that was like a secondary thing other than uh, my service. Um, I definitely wanted to to experience the things that many don't get to experience. I think they say uh, like 1% of the population joins the military uh, in the United States. And then 1% of the 1% end up in a special operations community. So not only was it like something uh, I can be proud of. And, and feel feel honored to be able to do. But it was, uh, it's definitely something that was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Do you feel like it was your calling? Uh, to an extent, Like yeah. you felt inside, like, this is what I gotta do, this I, is who I am. Ever since I was a kid, I had little camouflage outfits, dressed up as it for Halloween, like, it, it was always my, my it, it was definitely where I was going. Um, and then uh, tried, Uh, I went to EMT school right before the military and it was one of those things where I was like I'm in the wrong place like I feel like I'm in the wrong place and it's not because it was EMT school uh, because it was great learning a lot of good knowledge a lot of stuff I still use to today Uh, but it was not where I where I needed to be and I felt that and joined the military and I I knew immediately when I got there that one the recruiter lied to me and then two (laughs) that it was uh it was the right place like I was I was on the right path so it was really cool what what was the lie that he what he lied to you about oh you know all all the recruiter lies like oh you're gonna be a man amongst men oh it's gonna be awesome you're gonna be a badass like all the things that they want you to know and then you get there and then the drill sergeants are just on you uh immediately and and tear you down and treat you like crap and uh all, all the the general things you would expect um the good old Gunny style of, of stuff and, and not that it was bad or unexpected cause I kind of expected it knowing from, from either movies or what I've heard from friends or the, uh, the relatives I had growing up. But it was, it was definitely like this guy's totally lied to everybody. <laughs> and, and there's plenty of guys that are out there probably watching this that, that'll Shaking definitely their head, be the same like, experience. yep, my recruiter lied. <laughs> it's, it's, it's normal.
0: So what insight does being an experienced warfighter give you now that you're a civilian that everybody needs to know or understand about guns and
1: self-defense? Um, so, so experienced warfighter is probably the wrong term for it. Uh, like, I have some experience, right? Uh, there are guys that have way more than me, guys that have way less than me. It, I'm, I'm in there as experienced to an extent. Um, but I think, uh, people don't understand that, that we, we went over there, right. Or we, we still are over there using firearms to protect ourselves, right. Protect ourselves and our buddies, because those are the most important things, um, obviously for, for country, um, over here, we still use the same firearms, same things, you know, guns, right. To protect ourselves from evil humans. Right, uh, there's there's always going to be evil, right? There's always going to be bad people. Um, most most may want not to to think that way or, or to believe that way, but there's evil everywhere. And and one of the things that uh, that I think people misinterpret is is the use of the firearm. It's it's not that the firearm is is what gives you the self defense ability. It's it's you that gives you the the self-defensibility, your mind, your way that you you deal with things, um, but it's just a tool. It's it's an added value to that situation. Um, it could also be the downside to you if, if you don't use it correctly, kind of thing. Uh, but one of the one of the things that that also gets involved in there is as as a person that carries a firearm, uh, you need to know how to use it. You need to know how to you know take care of it. You need to know how to store it properly and and not let it get into hands that aren't supposed to be on it stuff like that so same thing that we dealt with overseas right you pretty much slept with your firearm you made sure it didn't get into the wrong hands and you took care of it and you know how to use it so so same things just translated to a civilian population different gun um, and different way of carrying it because now it's not just slung around my shoulder it's more in a holster concealed by clothing clothing so it's it's just, it's different but the same.
3: You can learn more by reading Corey Wayne's book, Mastering Yourself, for free on his website, understandingrelationships.com, by subscribing to the newsletter.
0: So as a professional firearms trainer, what level of gun regulations, in your humble opinion, do you think is appropriate? And to add to that, what about mental illness and how do you think this should be handled or red flag
1: laws? So, so personally, the, the gun laws uh, that go, uh, that are out there, uh, we have to think of them as the only people that are going to follow laws are law-abiding citizens, and law-abiding citizens are usually not criminals, uh, because those are kind of the opposite. Um, so being that, that most law-abiding citizens follow the laws, the laws work. When people that are not law-abiding citizens or criminals, they don't care. So really, laws are just there for the people that follow them. It's like a lock. Like, a lock on your door is easily defeated, right? Like, anybody can get in your house. All they need is a couple little tools or a really good, you know, kick, right, most of the time. And the only thing that lock does is keep honest people out. It doesn't keep dishonest people out. So, So it's the same concept. So whatever laws go into place, they have to be followed to actually work. So if they're not followed by the people that don't follow laws that they were made for, what's the point? So uh, personally, I don't think there should be any. Like, it's not helping. It's not doing anything for anybody. Um, the the minimal amount of uh, statistics where those laws actually catch people it is so minuscule. I, I don't remember the statistics because I don't know. I just don't follow that stuff enough. But I remember reading about it where you have this very small statistic of people that actually go into a gun shop, have a felony, and then get caught by the system. And then they're like, oh, no, I can't get a gun. Cool. Well, then then <laughs> that same person just goes and steals one, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> same concept. So uh, for me, it's it's one of those things that laws just... They're there for the law-abiding citizens. So if you're going to follow them, great. If you're not, well, they don't matter then, right? Yeah, a lot of politicians
0: have the idea that you can legislate a perfect society if you just write the right number of laws, but the thing that they always ignore look past is that criminals just have zero intent on following them. Yeah. What do you think about red flag laws? I know
2: we've chatted briefly about it in the past. What's your opinion on it? It's, it's a very touchy subject, but uh, I feel that a lot of these laws, you know, that, that are in place, obviously they, you know, anyone that has a, an established uh, history of some type of mental disorder or, or tendencies like that, well, obviously they can't get guns, but uh, what about, for example, if, you know, I, I, gave, the, uh, I gave this example earlier, what happens if I'm on my way home and I get uh, I get a phone call that, say, my daughter has been killed in a car accident? I may become temporarily insane. I, I may not be the person that I was before. Uh, could cause me to do something that I normally wouldn't do, but, you know, ten minutes before that call, I was normal. Um, I was no... I, I was not a threat to anyone or, or anything. So you're a fan of the red flag laws, or
0: do you think, because well, obviously uh, the argument is they get abused. You get spouses that are pissed off at their exes uh, and are
2: trying to use a legal system to tweak them. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm certainly not, not a fan of the uh, red flag laws. And uh, as you said, yes, they can be misused and abused. And uh, guns could be taken away from the wrong person who, who was doing everything right and uh, who did not have any mental illness or issues.
0: So let's talk about at-risk individuals and having their guns taken away. Somebody that's mentally ill or somebody that's threatening to shoot somebody or shoot something up. What, what's your opinion on that for having law enforcement go and forcibly remove the guns from that person?
1: Well, it depends, right? It's, it's a slippery slope, is if the person's at risk they've threatened people that's already breaking laws by the way when you start threatening humans um so so technically
0: that's technically assault right uh, i don't know somebody? i don't know what
1: it's considered yeah. but it it so it's definitely already a crime of some sort so yeah uh, like maybe maybe that maybe a, an instance where it would be taken away or at least investigated right that person needs to uh, at least in our litigious society, needs to be kind of confronted about it. Now the problem is, how do we know they made that threat? Right? Is there proof of the threat, like on social media, where they typed it in? But was it them typing it in, or was it somebody that was angry about them with their account information typing it in? Right. There. There's so many, like a disgruntled spouse or an ex-spouse right. to be, just like with the red flag laws. So it it there's so many what ifs that can go into it. It's hard to make a law that's going to cover every what if, and then if they make a blanket statement law, <clears throat> excuse me, it may put people that aren't supposed to be getting their guns taken away, getting their guns taken away for nothing. Uh, so it, it's uh, I don't know how to put it any better, but it's a slippery slope.
0: What do you think about the calls for the AR-50 to be banned? Because that's obviously pretty universally demonized in the media. So every
2: time you turn it on, somebody's bitching about the AR-15. I think they're ridiculous. I think there's there's no logic behind that argument. That's like saying, well, um, there are more deaths from drunk drivers and uh, drug overdoses in the US than there are gun-related deaths. So if that was the logic, why don't they ban cars or for that matter why don't they ban alcohol or why don't they ban prescription drugs No, it, it's it's a ridiculous thing they the, did ban alcohol at one point well but the <laughs> didn't work out look well. what happened right? yeah. yeah the ar-15 is is just a tool and uh it, it all depends on how it's used so i mean you you look at mexico because mexico's in the
0: headlines all the time now and i think there's what two gun shops in all of mexico and so only the government and the criminals are armed and the people are I mean they have no way to defend themselves and you know they're right on our border and you got those same people coming across the border with impunity and you get these calls you well, know we're gonna we need to just disarm everybody and that'll solve all the problems it's like it hasn't worked especially there so what do you think what do you guys think about the calls for the assault weapons ban? What is an assault weapon? And kind of the silliness around the whole discussion. Because most of the people
1: discussing it are completely ignorant of, of the weapons they're talking about. Well, it's it's a buzzword, of course. He's a, a weapon is a weapon, but anything can be a weapon, right? So, right, bottle. I assaulted him. Assault weapon. Right, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? They can they can buzzword all they want. It's just like marketing. Uh, they'll they'll use whiz bang words to make you buy things, like the Dyson Shark Two Thousand, best vacuum ever, right? Like they're they're gonna use it for marketing, right? Two thousand what? Why is it called a shark? Because sharks are cool, right? They eat things, so whatever. But yeah, uh, it's it's a buzzword. Uh, there's no real uh, assault weapon. I think the media
2: also uses the term assault weapon to instill fear in people mm-hmm. uh, who don't know enough about the subject or or who have a misconception of it. So um, they're using it incorrectly. So
0: what do you? What do both you guys recommend that people do to become safe and
1: competent? firearm users and owners but well, that's a simple one go learn right go go take um, professional courses from somebody you have vetted uh, I, there's a lot of instructors out there that are self-taught or, or have no experience or or sit on the you know <laughs> just have an NRA uh, certification and it doesn't mean crap it Means absolutely nothing. Um, if if they're sitting there just giving you theoretical based knowledge that they learned from a book or from Rambo, um, then then there may be some issues there. Um, you need to also learn the laws, right? Learn what you can, what you can't do, and and learn when it is capable, when you are allowed to and understand that. But um, but also protect yourself in that sense. Uh, legally, you need to understand legally what what you'll have to do if after you end up having to use your firearm self defense or something like that. So if you don't understand those things, you know whether how to use the firearm, when to use the firearm, and legally what's going to happen afterwards, you're going to end up somewhere getting hung up uh, in in some kind of issue. Um, we're we're a very litigious society that likes likes their laws so. Although you may have been very rightfully using your firearm to protect yourself or somebody else. Um, you're going to get sued. Basically. That person's going to sue you somehow. In death, that person's family will sue you. That person, when they get out of hospital, if they lived, are going to sue you. Like, just bet on it. So, if you're one of those people that's like, well, do I rather get judged by 12 than buried by six? Like, it, shut up. Like, your bravado doesn't matter, right? Your, your bravado is not going to help you. And I promise you, being judged by 12 is going to suck. It's going to definitely suck. And being buried would have been way easier. But not, not to say don't, don't go dying. But, but one of the things that, that people don't understand is the people they put on those juries, right? They don't know about guns. They don't know about the gun laws. They probably, if, if we look at it with, with the way our, our country is, they probably are against guns. Right, and the other thing is like uh, that family that's gonna sue you, or those that person that's gonna sue you, is gonna make the most dramatic case out of it. Uh, look at look at tons of uh, tons of shootings that are out there that people have have dealt with and have had to you know mortgage their or refinance their house or give up their house or or any of the other things just because they protect themselves in their own home, like. It's it's ridiculous and uh, and unnecessary, but it happens. And, and if you don't understand when you can, how you, how to do it, and and also the laws behind it, you may stick yourself into a really bad corner. Training.
0: So what what should people what what do people look for in a trainer? Obviously, you know people all over the country and the world are so not everybody has a retired army ranger like you near me it's like what so what what's the vetting
1: process what criteria do you look for for somebody to train with so one of the one of the things i look for personally because i i'm still a student all the time uh is that person's reputation right if they're some guy that just says he's something from some special place how right like go back look them up look up stories about them articles about them um, uh, there's a lot of action after or after action reports online about instructors um, all you have to do is look up their name usually and you can find something about them um, the other thing is ask right ask other people ask people that you know that are are avid trainers or you, know, you could easily email me and I'll tell you like I know that guy I don't know that guy um, the the other thing is to uh, most shops will have a reputable trainer that they use or know. Um, but understand that they may be biased. That trainer may not be the best or a great trainer and that shop just uses them because they're convenient. Right, so, so just be aware of those kind of things. Um, also, just do your research on them, right? Go to their website, read their bio, look up different videos. Nowadays, every instructor has videos online Look up their videos, see how they're shooting, see what they're doing. If it looks unsafe and really wonky, right? Probably not good. Um, and and here in South Florida, um, not to name any names, but there are plenty of instructors down here that are way out of their realm, and uh, and it's it is what it is. Like there's no regulation or or way of uh, regulating that anybody can teach anything uh, you just have to have the students that come so it's it's one of those one of those scary things that I, I tend to have a lot of students that come to me from other instructors and then whoa that's a thing like and and not know how to shoot and all they're doing is is uh, is now relearning or, or taking bad habits and having to remake them into better habits so it's it's sad but it's it's what we live in now with, with so many people out there uh, with fake resumes and and uh, just bad training. Anything you want to add to that?
2: Oh, you, you pretty much said it all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what do you guys think about our society that leads to alienated people who commit mass shootings? In other words, what's changed in our society that has caused this relatively new phenomena? mass shootings in your opinion
2: it's a difficult question to answer because
0: I mean when my, my parents were growing up I listen. to my dad tell stories all the time He's like yeah you just go down to the local hardware shop and buy a revolver or a rifle it wasn't it was like buying a hammer or a chisel or a screwdriver it really wasn't a big deal and you didn't have people committing mass shootings
1: and stuff back then mm-hmm. I think it's it's partly the uh, the way we go about um like how we treat our kids nowadays, it has to stem from from when we were kids, in in my opinion at least. Uh, when when I was a child, I was taught discipline, right? And this is this is good, this is bad. Don't do this, do this. And um, and nowadays we have um, families that have two working parents, the kids are kind of on their own for the most part, or they're just being taught by other kids, right, in school. <laughs> um, uh, they'll take certain things very, very hard at hand. So uh, a lot of kids don't talk to their parents nowadays, right? They don't have conversations with them. They're not like, oh, how was your day? Oh, good. That's, that's it. There's no like, oh, well, mom, this, there's this kid at school. He, he did this, and I didn't feel good. Well, and then the parent needs to teach them how to deal with those situations. Instead, the kid sits there, bottles it up, says good every single time it's asked, and then eventually loses his shit. Um, I think the other problem is is how the media makes it a spectacle, right? The the kids that are usually being bullied into this, uh, and I say bullied because most of them are either bullied in one way or another. Yeah, they're kind of like the outcasts. Like, if you go back to the Columbine Mm ones, you know, it was pretty obvious they were bullied and ostracized. Even, Even the most recent ones, they're usually bullied in some way, whether it's because girls don't like them or because other people just don't like them in general, like... They're they're set aside and and they feel a certain way and they they don't feel safe about talking to anybody about it and and that's where the parents are supposed to come in by the way uh, not some school system or or whatever like those are random people like the person that cares about the child the most should be the one that's on top of the kid the most um, and then right there you you kind of you grow this this whole thing of of uh, of the kid losing his shit because he's not he doesn't have an outlet and he knows the only way to get attention is to do something outrageous whether it is blow up a, a, a damn you know car or go to a school with a gun and shoot some kids or whatever he's he's at his boiling point at that point and and there's plenty of signs of it not that we can see them all and teachers it's hard because they have 200 plus students a day that they see uh coming through their classrooms and they can't be expected to understand each one, and and not only that, but like talk to each one. It's it's almost impossible. Uh, you get counselors and psychiatrists that don't even see that many you know people a day. So it's it's definitely a uh, a whole thing where where we have the parents are slightly at fault for not doing their parental duty or not having the time, and then the media for forcing that whole problem to to just be like just put out there so so, uh, openly. Not to say that we need to, you know, censor them in some way, but if we look at Canada, they don't they don't show the face, they don't say the name of any person that's ever done any massive act of, of violence. And it's, I believe it's against the law there, but you have to check that, I don't know for sure. But you don't see a lot of mass shootings, you don't see a lot of mass killings there for that reason. And because those kids aren't getting that kind of attention that they, they're expecting, like they do here in the United States. So things like that, we, we don't see as much. And uh, I think that's two parts of the problem. There's probably plenty more.
3: <clears throat> you can learn more by reading Corey Wayne's book, Mastering Yourself, for free on his website, understandingrelationships.com, by subscribing to the newsletter.
0: So what do you think, because obviously you know, we're in an election cycle and several of the people running for Democratic president have come out and said basically that they're going to actually use the government to, if they get elected, to confiscate certain types of weapons. So what do you guys would think would happen if they tried to take guns from the people, whether it's pistols, rifles, or just outright ban everything? And then what do you think would happen if they succeeded? Well, because we got, what is it, the numbers are over 300 million guns in the United States there. And the other thing you to keep in mind is, you know, guns have been part of our history for so long. I know, like my own family, is like the guns just kind of, they got passed down from generation to generation. When, you know, my grandfather died, he had, I think it was 30, 32 different Pistols that he collected. Cause he used to, he used to shoot back when he was in World War II. He was, he had a forty five standard issue, and he liked to shoot. That was one of his his things. And obviously, when he passed away, the family got all of his guns. And so you got guns going back over a hundred years mm-hmm. that just that were no serial number. Nobody even knew knew they were out there. And so I, you know that three hundred something million, you know that might be. That number might be off significantly. There might be a lot more than that. Yeah. But it's you know, what do you what do you guys think would happen if if they passed a law and said you got to turn in your your AR or you got to turn in your pistol with your 10 round magazine?
1: It a lot of people are going to lose guns by accident, right? They're going to oh fell off a boat. <laughs> um, uh, but, boating accident. Boating accidents. <laughs> There's gonna be plenty of those reports, um, but mainly I think it it's gonna it's gonna spark different things, or it may spark different things. Uh, it may spark the, the people that are gonna outright refuse and rebel. It may spark the ones that are like law-abiding citizens, so they follow the laws. They're like, okay, well I can't have these anymore. I have to give them in. Um, and then it's gonna it's gonna it may spark, you know, other countries to be like, ooh la la, now they're an easy target. Right? Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's always been uh, the United States, for, for at least the, the few, well, couple hundred years that we've been alive now or running, people have hated us, right? <laughs> There's been a lot of countries on our soil and, in different forms and, uh, and manners, and now we have definitely a radical side of uh, the world that hates us. And, and if you think the war is just going to stay on one end, it's, you're sadly mistaken it's, it's going to constantly come further and further our way um, and that, like we were talking about with Mexico they're right there they are right there and there's a bunch of people there that want their way or the highway kind of stuff um, it's, it would be bad it would definitely be bad on the, on the aftermath side of things and, and what's, what people won't understand is that everybody's going to be affected in some form or way uh, whether you like guns or you don't like it's gonna affect you because now you're you're hoping that you know the, the uh, I think I was talking to Fort Lauderdale PD, right they only have 550 officers for a couple million people like they can't help you bro they're not gonna get there in time they'll be there to 10, clean 10 15 minutes away yeah. they'll, a good day they'll they'll clean it up right they're, they'll let your family know what happened. Right, but they're not going to be able to help you. It just won't. So this whole confiscation stuff is is gonna it's gonna cause a lot of issues uh, in so many different
0: ways. And some of the politicians are also saying that the police are basically gonna come kick your door in and and take your guns forcefully. It's realistically, you got was it 550 officers over Mm -hmm. how many million? How many?
1: uh, south this area? Oh, Colorado? down in the South South Florida area? Millions. Millions of people. Let's hope that day never comes. Yeah. And the other thing is, like,
0: those officers may not do it. Well, we're seeing a lot in the news is these sanctuary gun cities now. Several of them, obviously, in mm-hmm. Florida, where the city councils are passing laws saying that we're not you can go ban all the guns you want. We're not enforcing them. This is a Second Amendment sanctuary. Yeah, it's and you our constitutional right. Absolutely. So people are, in smaller communities, fighting back. It's like all over the country, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. They're just saying, ah, we're not We're not enforcing these laws. Everybody should have a gun. Yeah. How is How is, I don't know how, much, how you guys closely you follow what's been going on with 3d printing and you maybe saw a couple of years ago the guy that I think he printed a one-shot pistol using uh, I think it was plastic but and if you've ever watched the um, the laser printers that they use lasers to heat up um, some kind of substrate and what it does is it melts it together like the Super Draco thrusters on the, the SpaceX capsule that take off those things are actually made with 3D printing hmm. and so if you can build a rocket engine with 3D printing using lasers to melt, melt the material 5 years 10 years, 15 years down the road I mean it, everybody could be able to, to buy for 300 bucks go to your local office depot or home depot and buy a 3D laser printer and you can print metallic parts that, and so you literally you know, we're, there's a timeline and it's shrinking and we're getting closer and closer today where the average person is going to be able to go to Office Depot or Home Depot or any Walmart and mm-hmm. pick up a nice high quality laser printer and print out metal parts at home And you, know, you can have all the gun laws you, you want and when you have that kind of technology out there that anybody can pretty much print anything they want that's going to kind of render all gun
1: laws pretty much useless other than the people who will actually follow them what's funny is that even even with that people are still going to use other things like anything's a weapon right like Manny's bottle here is really hard I can beat on somebody pretty good with that a pencil a pencil right John Wick three people one pencil right <laughs> <laughs> no but but in, in all seriousness it is uh, like anything can be used uh, so it's you're taking away a tool they're just going to replace it with another tool. Uh, look at China, right? No gun law, or I mean, sorry, no guns right allowed. Uh, there's still gun violence, by the way, <laughs> right? Because they have criminals that don't follow laws, uh, but they also have where people go on knife rampages, and yeah, that's one things that's weird over there. You hear, you know, every couple of UK. months you hear about some guy
0: going and attacking an elementary school and stabbing like thirty kids. I, That's kind of bizarre, how common that is. It's like, is that a disgruntled parent, or is that just some mentally ill dude? That's just a bizarre, who knows,
1: a bizarre thing. That guy knows. That's it. (laughs) If he knows. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, people are going to use whatever they can get their hands on either way. I mean, like, uh, guns aren't the only thing that kill people. If you look it up, FBI statistics are out there where people get bludgeoned, hammered, hit with bats stabbed you know like there's like people that kill people with forks
0: like it doesn't matter more people are killed because there's only like between three and four hundred people that are killed each year through rifles which obviously the ar-15 is a rifle and when you look at people that are killed with hands and feet or knives the numbers are three four times knives and hands and feet versus rifles so it's really you figure a few hundred people it's all about saving lives, is what they like to say. But you know, you got 11 eleven—teenagers dying every day from texting and driving. Right. And mm-hmm.
1: Why does nobody care?
0: But they about made a law that. about
1: that, right? You're not allowed to. So people aren't allowed to die anymore from texting and driving. So. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And it keeps happening. Yeah. So it—it it doesn't matter. Just like drugs. Drugs have been illegal for how long? How many people overdose on drugs? Because they don't follow the law. They don't care about it. All right. Law only keeps honest people honest. Other than that, it's wild west. <laughs> so,
0: what is? And I want to hear from both of you individually. It's like, what is your view on the Second Amendment? Its purpose? Who should and shouldn't have in guns? And just the current overall gun debate. In other words, if you can encapsulate your view of the Second Amendment,
2: its purpose, and the history behind it all. Would well, uh, second, our country was founded on, uh, basically on the Second Amendment, on the right to bear arms, to be able to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government, to be able to protect ourselves from those trying to hurt us. And it is our right to keep and bear those arms. Simple as that. So it really has
0: nothing to do with duck hunting. And, self-defense, it's really as a last resort to resist a government that's become tyrannical. And when you read the words of the Founding Fathers, they were very explicit and very clear in their writings that that was the intent. It was such an obvious thing at the time that they really didn't even see the need to even put it into law. And uh, obviously some of the other states were adamant that it be put Put in there, and one of the things we were discussing in the documentary is some of the—I think there was two, two of the states wanted to uh, protect their militias to go after the escape, escape slaves. But the majority of them, you know, they wanted it uh, memorialized in the Constitution because you know, founding fathers were very familiar with all the other governments and democracies that had failed, and. They wanted the people to be able to, they wanted everybody to be armed, the whole body. They even used the words, the whole body of the American people.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, like Manuel said, it's literally for us to be able to bear arms. Like, uh, like, we have freedom of speech, right? We can say whatever we want. I can say I hate whoever I want, however I want, and whenever I want. Same thing, right? I can own a firearm. I can go play with firearms i can go shoot you know wherever i want you know that range wise um but i can i can do what i want with my guns right if i want to just hang them on the wall and adore them or if i want to pass them down to my kids one day like i'm allowed to do that right they're my guns um i understand like why we have the laws and stuff but i still think they're once again just for the people that follow them
0: because you deal with a lot of guys in law enforcement what is the guys you talk to and train and interact with and in that are every day rolling around the streets in their cars what what's their do you have a feel for like what their view on all
1: of this debate is as well eh, uh, it's it's hard to say so i don't really sit there talking to them about it um, but it's it's one of those things they they carry one because it's a tool part of their job it's a tool. They've got a bunch of other tools on their little Batman belts. So they, they have lots of options to go through before they, they even go into the firearm thing. But um, one, one of the things I like to let them know is that uh, the firearm, although it's it's uh, one of the pieces of you know, equipment that you have, it's probably one of the most important pieces of equipment to know how to use. Uh, the other ones don't have as drastic... Um, I guess you can call them consequences if used incorrectly. So uh, for for them, I think it's it's a tool. Uh, for some of them, I know most most law enforcement guys I know own multiple firearms that aren't part of issued department stuff. It's their own stuff because they enjoy shooting. They they well part of their job. They should know how to, and a lot of them actually enjoy it recreationally as well. So they would have to. Turn in their own firearms if any of these laws, or if, if we had a confiscation of some sort, too. And their rights would be taken away as well. Like it, it doesn't help anybody in, in the way I see it. Um, the other thing is that politicians aren't thinking this way, or, or maybe they, they don't realize it, but they, they may alienate themselves to them. You know, that they're being protected by guys that are considered law enforcement of some sort. Like, when you think about the argument that people say, well, only the police should have guns. Oh, you haven't seen police shoot, right? Like, that's not all, but I will say the majority of them, I wouldn't want shooting near me, right? Or, or around me in any way. Because it's, it's, like I said, treated as a tool. It's not treated as a responsibility or a priority in any way. Uh, which, it's hard to force everybody, but the standards are very low. Is it fair to say that there's a lot of people in law enforcement that
0: don't practice enough with their guns, or their firearms, and Absolutely. they should? And, I mean, I've seen you know plenty of those you know police shooting videos, and a lot of times they, those guys pull their gun and they just start you know firing away kind of wildly, and
1: they go through a couple of magazines like that, and they don't even hit the guy once. Well, one of the problems with that is is they're they're being trained on on a range, right, where it's a it's a safe training environment. They're only shooting at pieces of paper, and those pieces of paper aren't causing any stressful, you know, behavioral effects on the human. So, uh, being that law enforcement officer, so if if they don't do some force on force based stuff, where they actually get stressed by a human being, maybe they'll be shooting fake bullets, right? Non lethal uh, training munitions, but it's still stressful, it still brings people's heart rates up, it still brings out the behavioral things that people do like flinching and reacting in different ways um, and if they don't have that put into their training on a regular basis then they're going to act exactly like you said they're just going to hope for the best and shoot a volley around and, and hopefully they hurt the guy right and, and it's unfortunate but once again Police departments don't see it as a priority. They see, um, you know, making sure the public's happy, uh, making sure different things are paid for versus training. Training's always been a back burner kind of thing for them. And and when I do see a department that's really squared away, it's, it's really nice. Um, the only time they'll spend extra money on training is for SWAT teams. Uh, the funny part is SWAT teams don't get into as many shootings as patrol officers at all. They're usually the ones like doing warrants. It's like a planned um, execution of a mission versus these guys that are on the street, the patrolmen, and it's straight spontaneous. You know, what's the most dangerous thing law enforcement do? Uh, Traffic stops. Who does traffic stops? You know, patrolmen. (laughs) SWAT guys don't do traffic stops. They're like, eh, that's not my problem. (laughs) But the patrolmen are the ones that are going to do that, and those are the most dangerous things that they get into is is approaching a car they just pulled over because their plates aren't in or or they broke some kind of law and uh and now they're going up to this random car to this random person just going to meet them face to face in in this distance and uh and hope that that guy doesn't want to kill them so i know we
0: kind of touched on this briefly but uh one of the questions i had here was what's your opinion on the fact that police are 10-15 minutes away when you call them and what are you and your family supposed to do when your door's been kicked in by criminals and you're waiting for the police to arrive? We have to
2: defend ourselves. I will protect my family until police arrive. We, we have to do something. We cannot just let somebody hurt us, those that we love. I think it's a powerful question, though, for
0: the average person that probably doesn't really think about that. If you know, on average, on a good day that police are 10, 15 minutes away, and you're dealing with an intruder. It's, what do you do until the police arrive? If you've decided you're the only the police should have guns, and therefore you're not going to participate. in Yeah, you're going to use harsh language,
1: spitballs, try to reason with them. It's a bad day for that person. Yeah, yeah. And and who hasn't noticed how, how easy interior doors are to kick in? So it's not like you can lock yourself in your bedroom.
0: Yeah, as a builder, as a guy who knows how to build houses, there's. Nice little swift kick, and you can pretty much kick in any door in deadbolt.
3: You can learn more by reading Corey Wayne's book, Mastering Yourself, for free, on his website, understandingrelationships.com, by subscribing to the newsletter.
0: Uh, Can you guys comment on natural law and the origins of the right to self-defense? Natural law,
2: obviously, preceding the Constitution. It is our birthright, since the dawn of man, to have the ability to protect ourselves, those that we love, that which is ours, as human beings. I'm not going to let anybody hurt me. You're not going to let anybody hurt you or your family. It's
1: kind of genetic, right? Caveman... me... was like, I will hit him with a stone and live. And then had another baby, and then that baby had a baby, and baby, 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 baby. Now, me, kind of, I wouldn't be here if he didn't defend himself, kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely a natural thing. Like, I don't want to die. Like, I got so much stuff to do. <laughs> I still need to visit, like, the Eiffel Tower haven't seen it's it pretty cool want to go see it right so I want to live to go see the Eiffel Tower
0: things have changed a little bit since I've been there 15 yeah.
1: years ago <laughs> just but, look past all the bulletproof glass around the Eiffel Tower uh, one of the things that, that I, I look forward to is all the new ice cream flavors right I'm missing out on a lot of ice cream flavors if bad guy gets to kill me so that's my motivation now ice cream ice cream and cookies and cookies so many different flavors so, what,
0: what are like some of the biggest common misconceptions
2: in the gun world? Okay, so you can't just buy a gun on the internet and have it shipped to you. That's, that's 100% false. You can buy a gun through the internet, but the way it works is the gun shop has their FFL, which is their license to buy and sell firearms. They would actually have to transfer it to another FFL, whether it's in state or, or out of state. And then the receiving FFL would actually conduct the background check and questionnaire for the person who actually bought the weapon. So, yeah, there, there, you can't just buy it and, and have it shipped to you. That's that's false. And obviously, wherever you're shipping it to has to comply with the
0: gun laws in that particular exactly. state. Exactly. It's not Amazon Prime. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how, because we hear a lot about background checks, universal background checks, what? What, is the, what does that mean? What is the background check system as it currently stands? Okay,
2: so we'll, we'll go through the process, right? So somebody comes into the shop. They, they want to buy a gun. They buy the gun. Before we release them the gun, we have to run their background. In our case, in the state of Florida, we run it through FDLE, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So uh, we would fill out some demographic information. They, they may or may not wish to provide their social security number. Uh, that would help, you know, prevent misidentification or if they had any complications, uh, you know, prior to, uh, that could help, uh, you know, tell the uh, the investigator or whoever is actually doing the background check, you know, to make sure it's the right person. So yeah, um, we'd have to submit the background check and um, then it comes back either approved or or not or some type of decision pending. If it is approved, the person now has the right to take the gun that same day if they have a concealed weapons permit. If they don't, in Palm Beach County, there would be a five-day waiting period or a cool-off period, as, as they call it. So you can't just go into a gun shop and buy a gun and walk out with it. It doesn't work like that. You have to run your background. Every time.
0: Every yep. time, every time you buy a gun. Yep. If, I, if I buy a gun today, and since I have my concealed carry license, I take it home. Then I go back to Manny's shop tomorrow to buy a new gun, he's got to run a new background That's right. check. Uh, let's talk about machine guns and machine gun laws in 1986. You, know, okay. you see people all the time, yeah, there's, oh he had a machine gun! So can you clarify what actually is a machine gun, and who can have okay. one, what the laws are? So
2: a machine gun is any type of weapon with a high rate of fire. So what happens is you press the trigger one time and while you're pressing the trigger the weapon keeps firing. That makes it fully automatic unlike semi-automatic which requires an individual trigger press every time you want to fire that weapon. Um, Civilians are allowed to own machine guns if they are transferable. This means they were manufactured and registered pre-1986. Now in order to get one you have to Take your fingerprints, your photographs, fill out a questionnaire and submit it to the ATF for approval. It isn't instantaneous. Usually the the approvals can take up to a year, sometimes even more. And there is a tax stamp associated with that. Think of the tax stamp as a licensing fee per item. Machine guns are a lot of fun, by the way. Yes, they are. So I I can't just walk
0: into the store and say, I want a a brand new AR-50, or I want a brand new PWS, fully automatic. It's not going to happen, that's,
2: no. So who, There's who no
0: can one. legally buy those? Just people in law enforcement, government agencies? Because uh, so, you're a class three manufacturer. Right, so if it were so to what be... what does that mean, class three manufacturer? All
2: right, so we are, we are allowed legally by the type of license that we hold to manufacture, in our case, convert factory weapons into fully automatic weapons. And we are able to proactively market and sell them to departments or agencies, law enforcement departments or agencies. So it's basically just different government agencies you're, you right. manufacture for and We could not sell that to an individual. There is no way. It's just not possible. So in other words,
0: you know, for all the people who are saying, you know, it's easy to get a machine gun. It is, it's not, like it you're is gonna,
2: absolutely false. It is not easy to get a machine gun. And there are tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that, too. Yeah. So, um, What's a pre-1986 okay. machine right. gun so cost? Because there's only a finite number of these machine guns in the registry. When I say the registry, I'm talking about the NFA registry, the National Firearms Act registry prices have skyrocketed. It is an appreciating asset. Those of you looking to invest, that's a great, great platform to do so. So, let's talk about what an M16 costs at a gun show. An M16, by the way, is Colt, AR-15. That's an actual factory-built machine gun. So it says M16. I'm sure you've heard the name. You've seen them in all the action movies up until today's date. So, getting back to the price at a gun show, 1985. You could have bought a brand new Colt machine gun, an M16, for around $900 today. 27, 28, 29,000. A new one, unfired, could be in the 40s. HK MP5s are, are in the in the high 30s. I mean, machine guns are are very very expensive. So not only um, is it cost prohibitive, but there is uh, there is the paperwork and then the waiting period. So it is not easy to, to purchase one.
0: Yeah, they make it sound like in the media, you just go to any gun shop and walk out with a machine gun and, no. you know, mow people down in the streets, like that's a thing.
2: No, in fact, uh, the uh, the statistics, uh, they're, they're, I don't believe, I probably shouldn't say this on camera because I don't have the facts, but uh, I think there's only been like 0.1% of gun crimes ever committed when, with an with NFA, NFA item. Yeah, there's only been like one or two instances ever. So That's suppressor or... Yeah. I don't have the facts, though, so I don't know if you want to run that, but, uh,
3: yeah.
0: So let's talk about suppressors, because, you know, obviously those are getting, you know, last year, because there was somebody that I think used one. It was a former employee of some warehouse, and he had a, I think he had a pistol that had a suppressor on it. And, of course, you know, the media picked up on that, and these things should be illegal, and people would say, what is a suppressor?
2: So a suppressor is a device that you attach to the end of the weapon, whether it's a pistol or a rifle or a shotgun. And that device, to keep it simple, basically reduces the sound signature, the noise, the weapon makes when firing. It's a muffler. Yeah.
0: And can I just walk in any hard and pick one of those up? Absolutely
2: or? not, no. <laughs> so uh, because it is an NFA controlled item, we would have to do the same thing as if you were purchasing a machine gun. You would come in, uh, you would have to get fingerprints taken, your photograph, fill out a questionnaire, pay the $200 tax stamp to ATF, submit all of this paperwork to the ATF for approval. You may or may not get approved and then there's the, the waiting period. It could be anywhere from three months to a year or greater. So no. Uh, the answer is no you can't just walk into a shop and buy a suppressor so the reality is these things
0: you know, like i know the one i have for my MPX got a serial number on it government ATF knows who right. i am Absolutely. they know what the number is on the suppressor they know my address they they have your picture they yeah. have your fingerprints. fingerprints they have your blood type like
1: <laughs> they, <laughs> the they know everything mother's maiden name it's true um but you know, they're and not just that but they're misinterpreted by what the, the media sees what Hollywood puts out Hollywood puts out what's cool and entertaining not what's real right suppressors don't silence a gun it's not James Bond quiet it's not it's not really like, quiet it, it doesn't sound like a laser like it most of them you still need hearing protection right but it dampens it enough to protect your ears more than um, you know 180 decibels of, of loud gunshot um, it and it differs per gun, difference per suppressor. So people that are, are thinking that they're for assassins and stuff like that, and assassins don't use that. Like, you're watching movies. Cool. and Enjoy your movie, but understand that suppressors don't sound like that. They're much louder, and you still, most of the time, need hearing protection. Yeah, they reduce about what, 30, 30% on average? Yeah, 30, 30 decibels. So that takes your 180 decibel to 150-ish or 130-ish, depending on how loud and all that jazz. Also depends on the bullets. So some are quieter and some are louder, but none of them end up being you know, James Bond quiet. Nothing, nothing productive does, at least. Um,
2: I'm sure there's a lot of people watching who may have never fired a gun, who don't believe in them or who are against them or who are just unsure about them shooting is a wonderful sport. We, we have several disciplines in the Olympics that involve shooting. Pistol, rifle, um, some of the uh, triathlons and things like that. So uh, it is an Olympic sport uh, in, in different disciplines. There are also many uh, national and international organizations um, that hold sporting events for points. So shooting is a lot of fun. It, it, it's exciting, it requires skill, uh, a lot of training. Uh, it, it's. It's not like in the movies where you can just point a gun at something far away and you'll hit it. I mean, it it does require skill and training, and it is a diminishing skill. Uh, It's a great pastime, you know, hunting, you know, hunting for food that you're going to eat yourself. I mean, it's a wonderful thing doing that with, you know, my family growing up. I think it's something everyone should experience at some point in their life. Whether it's it's hunting, whether it's recreational, um, it's awesome. You should go out and try it. With a competent instructor, if you don't know what you're doing.
1: John, no, I, I agree with that. It's uh, it's definitely something that people don't understand. It's not just for like self-defense and and uh, and fighting mm-hmm. in wars. <laughs> it's it's for fun, like it can be really enjoyable. And I think there was a newscaster that that went out shooting for the first time, an anti-gun newscaster, mm-hmm. and was like is actually really fun and didn't even know it and most of the time people are scared of it because they don't understand it That's true so education is a huge thing and if you go into a, a, a good gun shop they will explain it to you they'll take apart a part gun and show you how it works and they'll they'll talk to you all day about it because they're on the clock so either way they're getting paid right <laughs> like but mainly it's because they're probably passionate about it they they like firearms so go in there get educated a little bit it may help Help your understanding.
0: Anything
2: else you want to add? Yeah, if you if you'd like to come get hands on with with some weapons and learn a little bit about them, come visit us at Palm Beach Tactical. Uh, go to our website, PalmBeachTactical.com. Subscribe to our free email newsletter. Uh, send us a DM on Instagram. Give us a call. Uh, What's your Instagram handle? At Palm Beach Tactical. And uh, most importantly, come train with us.
1: You'll have a lot of fun. I guarantee it. It's a cool cool bunch of people. And how about you, John? How do uh, people get in touch with you? So you can get in touch with me on uh, mainly my website, so kinetic-consulting.net. And uh, that's an easy way of getting into in touch with me. All my social media is li- linked on there. Um, and so is my email. So I, I actually answer it anytime you need questions, things like that
0: mocha bear underscore actual
1: oh, on uh, on Instagram yes cool why do they call you mocha bear uh, <laughs> oh, yeah you want to. sure you want to give that story out publicly I guess so um so so we started out uh, I was at a at a party with some of my buddies it was like our company party in the army and uh, all the wives come you know the kids and stuff like that and uh, I was you know I didn't have a wife or kids so I'm, I'm just hanging out with my friends and I was sitting on a couch and, uh, one of my buddies came up and he, he like sat too close and like leaned on me. I was like, dude, you're so cuddly. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like a teddy bear. And then his wife was standing like, uh, over to the side and she was like, yeah, but you're like brown, like a brown bear. And then somebody else was like, no, he's, he's more mocha colored. So they were all talking about this color of my skin at that point, which is fun. And everybody's like having a good time. It was all jokingly, but, uh, out came Mocha Bear from my buddy's wife, and it just stuck. It was like glue. And uh, and everybody loved it, and instead of me getting upset about it and being like, nah, dude, that's not my name. Uh, that's a really bad nickname, I don't want it. Uh, I just, I embraced it. Um, because otherwise it, it'll get used way more if I hated it. <laughs> um, so it was definitely one of those things. Uh, but I have plenty of nicknames, so Duff, Duffy, John, Like all the all the names that you would think of, but not my real one. Uh, So it's all good though. Mocha Bear works. Cool. Thanks
2: for having us, Coach. We really appreciate it. Thanks for coming over,
1: man. man.
3: You can learn more by reading Corey Wayne's book, Mastering Yourself, for free on his website, UnderstandingRelationships.com, by subscribing to the newsletter. Until next time.